Bastien. We are trying to find out if this thing works. Hello, I'm Shannon Christensen, and I'm here with my parents, Max and Pat Hatterley. This is episode two of the Max and Pat Hatterley history, and we will be diving into a little bit more of their um, middle childhood years and anything else that comes to mind in this episode. So let's get started. So I lived in River Heights in the same house all my 18 years of growing up. Uh, And I went to kindergarten for half a day at River Heights Elementary. I walked to school. It was right close by. So I walked to school. And we. the main thing I remember about kindergarten is having little naps on rugs and getting groom crackers and milk. That's that's all I remember. (laughs) I don't remember my teacher. I, I remember most of the others, but I don't remember who my teacher was. But I'm just walking to school and, you know, staying and then coming home. And um, my school friends were Sue Nelson, who lived across the street, and Lynette Crosby, who was half a block away, and then Bonnie Weston was a block away. And we rode bikes and climbed trees and played in irrigation ditches. Um, I had all kinds of dolls that I played with, put to bed and named and tended and took care of all of them. Um, You wrote, well, I didn't have a bike. I had to borrow bikes from the neighbors or something. Or I rode my sister's old one, which was really bad. So it was, it was really bad. But I, anyway, um, at the time when I was growing up, my, I had two, the two older brothers were quite a bit older. Uh, and then Charlotte was about seven and a half years older. Randy was four years younger. Um, I remember my brothers and their friends coming to the house and mom would feed them and they would turn their chairs around and straddle them rather than, and I just thought, oh, these boys are so big. And they just, I don't know, they ate and everything. They were loud and fun and it was fun to have them around. And um, I also remember that my brother was going to college and he got sick when he first started having kidney problems. And they, one summer, they felt like maybe if he just rested the whole summer, he would get better. So he was in a hospital bed in the front room all summer long. This is Brother Bob. That kind of started his kidney health troubles. Uh, And he had friends come all the time to see him, and that was kind of fun to, you know, I'm sure it was really hard on him. And they finally concluded when it was over that it didn't do any good. And so he spent a whole summer in bed, and it did no good at all. But it was kind of fun to have him around and have his friends. 
there. Were you able to talk with him too? Oh, sure. Yeah. Just kind of spend time. Well, he's right in the middle of the front room. The front room was small. It was half the size that you kids know. It was quite small, so that hospital bed took up, pretty much took up the room. So, yeah, we were right in the middle of it all. Um, and as neighborhood kids, we we all we played night games every almost every night in the summer. There was like you know four or five families that would get together, and we would we would play until our parents called us home when it got dark just had such a good time and we played no bears are out tonight and there's another one about a bear I can't think of it um, and we played Annie any I over we played hide-and-go-seek we just did all kinds of games as a big group very much um, interacted with the families in the neighborhood all the time Would Uncle Randy be yeah, group? yeah, he was too. There was there were uh, boys his age in that group, so yeah, he would. And how would you? You said your mom called you home for dinner. Tell yeah, me, tell us about that. They, I mean, they literally just call, and we'd hear them, and we'd head home, and you know, when it got dark, we knew we had to head home. So, but. Um, just so fun and those parents were like raising all of us they were watching us all if we needed correction we got correction uh they were all just like raising all the kids and concern about them so do you have any particular stories or memories <clears throat> with your neighborhood friends other than night games um, or those that good friend group. Yeah, that good friend group just remained all through high school. We were still good friends all the time. Um, uh, Sue, Sue's parents were not active, uh, so later as a teenager she became inactive. So, but I I would go with Bonnie and Lynette to activities and young women's and all that kind of thing girls camp and did your parents um, go to church with you no not maybe a couple times a year that was they I they they did with my older siblings but by the time Randy and I came along mother was not very well and she, she just didn't, my, my dad, we'd had priesthood meeting, then Sunday school, and then we'd go back for sacrament meeting. My dad would always go to priesthood meeting, then he'd go home. So I would just go to Sunday school and then go home, and then I'd, I'd go to sacrament meeting at night. Uh, that's just how it was. Did so. Uncle Randy go with you? Uh, most of the time. Enough that he got a pattern of going, you know, so that was good. So it sounds like you and Uncle Randy were sort of pals. Yeah, we were. We were really good pals. Played games a lot. Um, we did. We did a lot together.
So it was like mom, mom said, she always said, I had like basically two families, the first three, then there was a big gap and then the last two. So it was like almost raising two separate groups of kids. So what sort of things would you don't go in to do? You said play games. Yeah, we'd just be in the backyard and play in the barn a lot. The bar I forgot the barn was a huge part of my childhood. We we'd have neighborhood clubs in the barn. We had a big rope swing that it was a loft that was like maybe 12 or more feet off the ground. And we'd get on that rope swing and swing clear across the barn. And we'd go up the little rickety ladder and go down the tree to get down and jump off the roof. We just had a grand time. There was an outhouse as well, two-seater. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad had cows. Um, he had three or four cows when Bill went on his mission, that's how he helped him pay for his mission, was by selling the milk from those cows. And I remember one of them was a Jersey, and she had the most beautiful calf, and we named it Bambi. Just a beautiful brown calf with great big long eyelashes. And I just thought he was adorable. We always had way too many outside cats all the time, just... You know, 17 or 18 cats, just a lot of cats that would just run around. We'd have, and I'd put the ones that were nice, I would put bonnets and dresses on, pretend like they were babies, you know, and cuddle them up. And, and we had a dog, it's actually Charlotte's dog, but when she left, we kept it. His name was Blondie, just a little, just medium-sized dog, and she would... She would come in some, but not very often. Um, and she was just a big part of the family. We loved the dog. So. Um, so tell me about the neighborhood clubs in the barn and the loft. Oh, well, we would just, uh, we just say we'd have these clubs and we'd have, we'd have to have a club meeting. I don't remember what we did too much. We also had, the neighbor also had another little shed that we would go down and we would, borrow my sister's dress up clothes and we would dress up fancy like prom type dresses we would dress up really fancy and and pick someone to be queen of the day and it I was it. <laughs> yeah it was really fun we quite enjoyed it did so. you climb down the tree in those prom dresses no no that was kind of a separate activity so my dad was a huge encourager of kids going outside and playing. He'd always come in, are you still in the house? And, and are you a house plant? And so we'd spend most of the day outside. Um, my first piano teacher was, uh, uh, she was like a, a little older teenager. And she lived up the road. And her mom and dad were my parents' friends. And my mom sang with the father in public. And I would go for piano lessons. She was an only child. I'd go for piano lessons, and I would sometimes spend the night. We, would, we had a really close, I was like a little sister, uh, close relationship. And I'd just hang out at their house, and it was 
when I think about it, I sure wouldn't want my panel students to bed in the night. But um, I did. I think I started maybe six, six years old. And then violin, we started in fifth grade, I believe. Fifth or I think it was fifth grade we started um, taking lessons in school. Uh, and then I just started getting private lessons after that. Like when I was in junior high, I started having private lessons from Robert Frost, uh, who's written a lot of string music. It's a famous name in that, in that uh, genre. Anyway, and that I got taught, or Mrs. Miller taught me junior high through college and dad knows her really well. Um, I didn't really catch on to the practicing very well. I always had to be really encouraged all the time until I got to college, which I was like 17. I finally got it, but I would have breaks between classes, like an hour, hour and a half or something. So I would go in the practice room and practice. So when I was practicing like two hours a day, I made a huge amount of progress. And uh, as a freshman, I ended up the, so I was a freshman, so. And dad sat in the first violin, so we could see each other and flirt a little bit. So, yeah, it worked out well. I, I, I remember, uh, and dad probably remembers what he was doing at this time too, but the day President Kennedy was killed, uh, our teacher was also the principal. He was a male, a man, and uh, Ray Pulsifer was his name. Anyway, um, he came, we had the only TV in the, in the school, in our room, and he came striding in and said, the president's been shot, and we just, yeah, sure, you know, we thought he was joking, but he turned it on, and, you know, they had all the pictures of when he was shot and what happened and uh, it, it it was such a sober sober time I just like you could hear a pin drop everybody was so sad um, it was just really devastating to the country and then of course he died not too long after um, it was really I just remember clear clearly what a sobering, sad thing it was when he was shot. And to be at school to find out. Yeah, yeah, that was, and to see it on TV, I mean, you know, replayed, which nowadays you don't think anything of it. At the time, it was, it was like on the news. This is, this is real life. This is really happening. It was, was scary. We didn't know, you know. It was, it was kind of a scary time, that transition to President Johnson and what would happen and the Cold War was on. Would they, would someone take advantage of our weak position at that time? You know, that was, that was a scary thing. So, can't think of anything else. Did you, you said the Cold War is on. Yeah. I've heard other people say things like we did drills or things like that. Yeah, I think we'd go under our desk or something. Do you remember that, Maxie? 
Um, I think we did have some drills. Some people built fallout shelters, they call them. We never did. But uh, it was, we, we were concerned about the Russians as we are again. Um, I don't know what their problem is, but, but uh, yeah, it was, just, and it's kind of where the film, the film James Bond came into play when the Cold War was on. Also, I do remember the Beatles. I was in sixth grade when they came out. I just thought they were just amazing. I loved them. Just thought they were so cute with their little bowl haircuts. And I just thought they were really fun. And I liked their music. And it, yeah, it was that was a big deal too. Were there any songs you liked? Yesterday, I really liked. I liked the more musical, or they had a, tune to them rather than their flashy rock and roll ones but I, I liked yesterday I can't think of what other ones I liked but um, yeah new era that was something Penny Lane. Penny Lane oh yeah yes I do like that one well we had a particular tree up our road that lane if you kids remember that that used to be empty and now it's got houses and schools and all that, but it was completely empty. There was a mulberry tree up there, a huge tree, and several big, like, low limbs. And we, my friend and I had houses. She had one house in the tree, and I had the other side. And we we just play like, this is our house. And But then on my own, oftentimes, I would just take a book and go crawl up in my house. And I don't think the name, I mean, it was by a field. I, I didn't ever ask anyone. I just climbed that tree and it was like the edge of the road. So it was kind of my special tree. There was also a big log. I mean, huge, thick, three or four thick, thick log uh, on the side of the road. And oftentimes mom would give us a little treat in a sack and just say, go walk up to the log. And so we'd go up there to log and sit down, have a little treat, and then we'd walk back. And it was just like this fun event. Or we would walk clear around to the cemetery and then back down, make a big loop. That was when we were older. But we would just go over the River Heights, happy as clams. Nobody worried about us. It just was just a safe time. When you say we, do you mean you and your friends? Or you yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes, it would be a group of friends, mostly. So, yeah. What kind of books did you like to read? Nancy Drew. That was hands down my favorite. I would walk to the Logan Library for a new Nancy Drew book. And that's quite a long ways. I, I would, like Saturdays, I would go down and get me a book and then walk back. I didn't really have a bike that worked well enough to ride. So I would just walk. This move to Logan, I have no recollection of whatsoever. The family or somebody that we moved to a house that I do not remember at all, up on East, 30 East or 40 East, 4th East or some, some East. I know nothing about it. How old were you? I have no clue. 
I'm going to guess between three and four. Okay. I don't know. My first recollection of a house was what I now refer to as the McAllister House. But we didn't refer to it as the McAllister House then because McAllisters didn't come until years later. And I cannot remember what the name of the house is, but it was on the east side of Third West, about three houses down from the block, and brother and sister Bishop, Don Bishop, was our next-door neighbor. And his kids, Kent Bishop and Sue Bishop, which were much older than I, were very good friends with my two sisters, Vivian and Vicki. Anyway, I do remember a thing or two in that house. First of all, we had a chestnut tree in the backyard, which I don't know why I remember the chestnut tree. I just can't think what the purpose or the significance of that chestnut tree is, but it had some significance. Well, we're tree huggers, you and I. But there was a couple of other things I remember in that house, and these were rental houses. We were not, my parents weren't buying, they were renting. We had dogs. For some reason or other, my dad thought we kids needed pets, so we had dogs, one or two at least, and they were German police dogs. Everybody's heard of German shepherds, but these were not German shepherds, they were German police. They looked somewhat similar still see them in my mind's eye. I've never heard of them since then. I don't know one person on the planet that's ever had a German police dog. I don't know if they're even in existence anymore. But their facial features and whatnot were somewhat similar to a German Shepherd. They were a little smaller, kind of darker colored, had more blackness to them. And they weren't quite as big a dog as German Shepherds. But the one thing I do remember is they were considerably more, I can't think of the word. They weren't particularly nice. German shepherds are kind of famous for being able to be trained dogs for helping people. But not German police dogs because they were too, what's the word? They were, they, they verged on being ornery. Aggressive. And mean. I I I just I don't know. We we didn't know it. They came to us as pups and we thought they were great. First one ran out in the road and got clobbered as I remember, which was a sad day, so we got another one. And the actual only other thing I can remember about those dogs are probably the second one. It had grown up some and we had a farm. But this one, which is sitting where I think the current Cache County landfill is at this moment. That's oh. where our pig farm was. Did you say pig? Pig. My dad built pig pens and we had pigs. I thought it was great. But the dogs thought it was great too. And I still remember this dog would jump up over the fence, jump in on top of those pigs that and my dad had just fed, so they were pretty much lined up at the trough. And 
eating and this dog would be running along their backs. <laughs> and they were used to that. But he really had some bad habits. One of which is as he was running back and forth sometimes, he would turn around and chomp off the tails. And as I remember one time, the pigs got enough of that and they turned on the dog. And pigs are nice animals, but they can be the other way. Mm. And they went after that dog. Never went back in the pig pen again. Because mm. I guess he got the message somehow, animal to animal, that he wasn't going to leave again if he came in. The other thing I can remember about that house was one Christmas. I actually can remember several Christmases, but no details. Can't be too many Christmases. Maybe we only had one or two at the most. At that home? At that home. And that was the house where we were when my parents, I have no clue how they did it, gave us our electric train set, us boys. Us boys was... My brothers and I. Who would it have been? Maybe Uncle Brian was was he around? He was a baby. It must have been Uncle Lloyd and I. Anyway, this was a Lionel train set, which was the it was the train set in the back in those days, and it wasn't. A junky set. I mean, it had a transformer. I mean, a control. We called it a transformer. And it was nothing but a going around in a circle with an actual real engine. It was a steam locomotive engine style with two or three cars on the back. And oh my God, we absolutely thought we had died and gone to heaven. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that. They had to have gone into debt for that. I don't know what it cost. I just can't even fathom in relation to what I knew my parents had money-wise. But the other thing I remember was they were as excited about our excitement as we were. And one other thing my dad had, which I cannot comprehend, was a movie camera. It was a square box, about half the size of that book right there, so... Probably four by six-ish by a couple inches thick or something. And it had screw bolts on it with steel um, brackets that went out a couple of feet, one foot, a couple of feet on each side with huge, and I mean huge, I'm talking six to ten inch uh, bell, like a lampshade and a huge blinding light on the inside of both of them. That's what it took. Huge light factor to, I mean, it just flabbergasts me now to look at these phones and they can take pictures anywhere, anytime, any darkness, any anything, and I just can't comprehend it. So he would turn on these lights and nobody in the room could see a thing. <laughs> Because it was just like absolutely so ridiculous light. And he would take pictures, and I think we still have some of them. 
yeah. that somebody was a Randy or somebody put on video. Do we have any of that stuff? Your anymore? family does. Somehow they transferred it over. But anyway, he took pictures of all of us during that Christmas. And it was just fabulous. Anyway, someplace shortly we moved across the street and down one house to what was called the Hammond House. And I do not remember much there, except that we had an organ. Was it a pump organ? I do not know. I remember my sisters playing it. And even I fiddled on it a little bit. So I was, I can't remember if we were in that house when I started school or not. But I remember going over to the Reading Market, which was just around the corner. It was like Island Market. Mm -hmm. Just a little teeny family grocery store that was probably half or a fourth the size of this house. That's what those grocery stores were back mm -hmm. in those days. And Brother Reading, Clarence Reading, was in our ward. And he was just this wonderful guy. And I go over there. My mother even sent me over once uh, alone for a two-quart jug of milk. I remember that. I also remember stealing something from Brother Reading once, probably a candy bar or something. And my mother, when I got home with that and heard the story, I don't know why I was dumb enough to tell her the story, but I did. And we went back over to Brother Reading. Hmm. That was a scary moment in my life. Very much a teaching moment. Anyway, and oh, I've got to tell you, right across the street was a four-year-old girl named Patty Mon, and I unbelievably fell in love with Patty Mon, and by crying, she fell in love with me. And so I had a girlfriend at four years old or five or something. <laughs> And just seeing the sight of her just terrified me. Just girls were so terrifying. Oh, even at four years old, they're crying out loud. Anyway, it wasn't too long later, somehow, my parents started looking for a home to buy. And they looked at two homes. One was over on Center Street, which I thought was the coolest house. And the other one was the house we bought and spent the rest of our growing up days and i don't know how much stuff you want me to tell i mean i'm talking too much but tell about when you started school how you reacted well i don't know what you mean but kindergarten I, my mother had to take me to kindergarten for two or three days in a row i was absolutely terrified didn't you go home on occasion probably did I, it was so terrifying to be away from home. The school was the Woodruff School, which was literally through our back fence. I mean, if I'd have been a big enough kid, I could have gone back there and jumped the chain link fence and I'd been on the school grounds. Mm. And just to the east of that was the Logan High School. So we were within literally less than 100 yards, probably 50 yards, or 75 at the Woodruff School and across the street was the high school. Junior high was a different story. But anyway, 
So there we were. Well, now we were at 132 South 3rd West, where we spent the rest of our days growing up. The train set, as I mentioned, was a circle about the size of this table, probably. I would guess that. Mm -hmm. The locomotive actually blew smoke, and you would put a pill, just like an aspirin pill, in the um, smokestack. And it had a whistle blew exactly like the old style locomotives. Oh, it was. A, that's why I, there was another brand of train, and I can't think what that was now, but most people got the other brand because it was way cheaper because it was, didn't have all this pulling and disconnecting and whistle blowing and the train track, you could, you could actually move the train so it would go down this track instead of that track from the transformer. I mean, it was all electronic. I don't know how they even, can't even comprehend it. But this circle about the size of this kitchen table here right now grew substantially over the years because we had the bases and then every year for Christmas thereafter, that got added to and added to, and pretty soon we had trestles and hills and tunnels and way more track. I mean, tons more track and buildings and way more cars added to it. Boy, it became an amazing thing. And I have no idea where it went. What became of it? I think Elwin has it. <clears throat> it like man, that was in the fifties, early fifties. That was the most electronic thing I had ever seen. And interestingly, the electronics, even when we were home still playing for it, started to cause troubles. We had to send the the engine off for repairs. We had to send the transformer for off for repairs. Electronics have got problems. I don't know what it is, but anyway. Okay, that's enough about trains. <laughs> oh. My big sisters. So when we were in our real house now, in Logan. In Logan, 132 South, 3rd West. I don't know how old we were, but we were young still. So all that other stuff, even though to me it seems like it lasted forever, it must have not lasted very long, any of it. Someplace, we had a cow, too. Uh, I never saw my dad milk it, so it was my mom up down and milked the cow. Aunt Ruth's place. She kept the cow. She had a little pasture and stuff. And anyway, yeah. Most of my dad and mother grew up on dairy farms. I mean, my dad certainly could have done it. Mm -hmm. He was doing other stuff for whatever. I don't know. I remember going out with my mom, milked the cow, and that pretty soon I got couldn't do it anymore. It was just too much, so I got rid of the cow. Then we started. There was another. Dairy farmer, I don't know if they were in our ward. I don't think they were in our 
and so more than I, the Carlsons. And we went down, and that was in the days of the borders now. So this was a year or two later. I don't remember when we got the borders. Things were so bad financially, and they were always bad, which just reminded me of something else I forgot to mention. We gave up the cow and started buying milk from the Carlsons, and we had two stainless steel buckets that we would go down to the Carlsons each day, and I went down, and I believe by now I'm in the first grade because I now remember that I've changed girlfriends in, I think it was the first grade, that now I had a girlfriend by the name of Dixie Lee Gunnell. Oh, Quite a Casanova, weren't you? And the only reason I can remember this is because one day, I don't know how in the world this happened, she went with us down to the farm to get milk. And that went on for years. I'm When I'm talking milk, I'm talking between these two buckets, we were bringing home two to four gallons of milk. Pretty sure we had the borders by this time. Why would we be bringing home that kind of milk? Back to my sisters. Why, why is it that you moved to Logan? Oh. Once again, this is just coming from what I hear. That my parents were very interested in my sisters. We were almost non-existent or sort of such. This was all about my sisters at this time. And my parents were both musicians. My dad played the saxophone. My mother played the piano. That's how they met. I don't know if that's how they met. They were in the same word for crying out loud, but they didn't. They were in a dance it. band. Right, but they didn't seem to know each other. They went to different schools, even in the same ward, same town of, what, three or 500 people. They, they had Idaho schools. They had Wyoming schools. They didn't know each other, except they got them. They formed today in a two or three or whatever. Other kids formed this dance band, and my mother was the pianist. My dad was the saxophonist, and they saw each other. Anyway, so the kids came along, my older sisters, and I think especially Aunt Janice, because she was the first one. And my parents had much ambition for her grand success. And they were driving to Logan, which, believe me, was no small project back in those days. to take piano lessons. And I don't remember if they started out with Irving Wasserman and we were actually driving Logan to take lessons from him once in a while or if they got her with him after they moved to Logan. But anyway, to provide better educational opportunities, which I don't understand. I can tell you a little bit about that. So they moved, they were take, taking lessons 
from Wasserman, but living in Star Valley, and it just got to be too much. And Aunt Janice's senior year, she lived with a family in Logan so she could get lessons from Wasserman. Anyway, and she gave her first concert by herself recital at eight years old. She was an unbelievable pianist, as were all three of my sisters. But anyway, so that's why they moved to Logan finally. To, just to give you an idea of the sacrifice there, we can't even comprehend this in today's world. Even I couldn't have comprehended it when my mother was telling me, but in the days when they were doing that, I don't know if they had the 51 Mercury at that moment. How old would Aunt Janice been in 51? 12, 15, 14, something. So we may have had it, but it probably came a year or two later. Anyway, this was this marvelous car. When my parents bought this used 51 Mercury, but I think it was the previous vehicle to that, which I do not remember. That my mother said a trip from Star Valley Freedom down to Logan almost just almost every time you could plan on at least one flat tire. You just you just didn't make that long trip. That was a long trip. We don't understand it today because first of all, every single canyon you go through and there's what three canyons between Logan and Freedom, I think. Every one of them have had massive, extensive road construction, straightening out umpteen hairpin curve. I mean, I mean, that's a totally different world. But even now, going through Logan Canyon, going through the South End, mm -hmm. which is the only place they went, Tin Cup was closed in the winter every year. Tell that's another story for later on, but anyway, and the canyon over sometimes, sometimes they could go over uh, Mink Creek, which meant you go up to Preston down the big hill and then turn right and head over to Montpelier going through Mink Creek. But anyway, anyway, you looked at it, you were going through mountain canyons, which were horrible, they were horrible. I, I remember them with terror because I got scar sick. And I couldn't go through without getting car sick. This was horrible. Mm. Anyway, and then flat tires. And I mean, it was a real. So that's. Why so many flat tires? Back in those days, if you know about tires, tires are made out of. All we see is the rubber on the outside, but on the inside, Tires are actually held together with strength by cords. And the cords, like little ropes, little teeny ropes, and the ropes in their early, I don't know, when I started making tires, Model T's had tires. So 100 years ago or something, they used the fabric they had, which was cotton. And Cotton is a wonderful material, but it's not real strong, and it'll break. That's all there is to it. 
when somebody and somebody in the early 60s i think somebody would have to look up this and find out about this maybe it was in the late 50s somebody some chemical engineer somewhere in the world invented the the fabric that has become the standard of the world ever since polyester it was the most unbelievable thing because it was soft like cotton but as tough as nylon now before somebody invented the polyester the real highfalutin tires had nylon cords in them and tractor tires still have nylon cords truck tires well i think that's changed now too everything that really had to have pressure serious pressure on it had nylon well they put nylon in car tires in the very early 50s or late 40s and it was all great you didn't have anywhere near as many flat tires anymore because i mean nylon is tougher than nails but nylon had a funny deal when you'd park your car at night and you'd come out the next morning where the tire was sitting on the pavement went flat i don't mean as in a flat tire i mean it just went flat so when the tire now started rolling foot 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 it was a flat spot we called it a flat spot so you would roll down the road for the first half a mile or a mile as the flat spot nearly threw you out of the car until it warmed and the nylon would warm and then it would start smoothing out and it was really annoying and it was just so wonderful until everybody realized this annoying thing and then somebody next two or three or four years and then the polyester it was a miracle one other thing that i did as a little girl all the time we had a good sized shed next to our house right in the back back of our house uh, apparently it's where a single aunt aunt jenny lived in it there was a little wood stove inside and so i would just that was my playhouse i i just cooked mud pies and mother would give me the little tin pie plates that came with those pot pies meat pies she'd get those to me and i'd make mud pies and bake them in that thing and just played house in there totally content all by myself mostly just love doing that and um shannon mentioned about my mother always saying all the time and she sang uh musical songs and she sang opera she sang madame butterfly uh just had a beautiful high hit high c with no issues high operatic voice and she and my neighbor down the road bob robinson sang together duets in public 
quite often. And they also did, in the church, they did plays, they did road shows, and they did plays. And my mom was in them all the time and singing and acting and doing all that kind of thing. But she, uh, she sang all the time when she was cooking. And just one of my sweetest memories is to hear my mother sing. Tell us um, more about your traditions, birthdays. Oh, um, yeah, like holidays. Easter. For Easter, we always had an Easter egg hunt at our house. Um, and Charlotte got married and uh, started having little kids. and So they would come as well. And we'd have an Easter egg hunt in the yard. We had a fabulous yard, big, big yard, lots of trees, particularly apple trees. And lots of places to hide eggs. And so we would just have a great time. Mom always, always made the cupcakes that had the little green grass and the jelly beans. We used jelly beans then for the eggs. Um, we always had that. And we always had, and she had a little candy hand, uh, candy that she would steam so it would bend and make a handle for the basket. So that was, it was like a sucker type thing, but it was thin. Um, so we always, and we always had potato salad, barbecues. That was like traditional, what we had for Easter. At Christmas, when, uh, when I was a little older, my brother Bob would come home from California. And that was just, he was just, he was the funnest man ever. And we would so look forward to him coming. And he would make Mexican food, which we never really had, you know. He would make Mexican food. We all, we thought it was so grand. And he was just fun. And my mom always made homemade candy, several different kinds. She'd make uh, fudge and she'd made something called pinoche, which was, was a blonde fudge. She made divinity. She put it down in the basement. And Uncle Randy and I would sneak down. We didn't think she'd miss a few pieces. So we'd sneak down to the basement when nobody was looking and have some, some of that candy that was for Christmas. Do you think she knew? Oh, yes, I'm sure she knew. I think she made a little extra because she knew she'd had two little mice that would go down and eat the candy. And I always, we always had a Christmas Eve party with her sister, Aunt Trudy, that was her twin um, and oftentimes the neighbors the Robinsons Rita and Bob Robinson would come as well and we'd always play Christmas Eve games and have good dinner and we would always open one gift at Christmas Eve we'd get to pick one any gift well they would kind of steer us towards you know so we wouldn't do the big ones but we could pick something else. One year, Rita Robinson, it was my, my parents' uh, friends, plus their daughter was my piano teacher. Anyway, one year for Randy and I, she made teddy bears out of an old fur coat that she had. And they, so they were really fuzzy, dark brown, just darling teddy bears. I just thought I died and gone to heaven was so fun. I just loved it. I also remember, this is a little bit off the holidays, but I remember Fort Well, it was for Christmas. I got a brand new quilt that my mom and my grandma had made. 
and the flannel back. They had extra flannel, so they made me a pair of pajamas that matched my quilt. And I thought I was a princess in heaven. I just thought that was so wonderful. I still have a little piece of it because it meant so much to me. And I look at the I look at the piece I have and I can recognize some of my mom's house dresses and some of the dresses that she made me as a little girl in the pieced quilt. So I always got a doll. Always. And if I I just can't imagine not getting a doll. I always got a doll. One time I got a wedding doll when she was about a uh, foot and a half to two feet tall um, in a beautiful wedding dress. And, and her hair was beautiful and I played with her a lot. I got a Thumbelina doll when I was six, fifth or sixth grade that had a little knob that you turned and then she would move like she was a real baby. I just thought that was so wonderful. I remember my, my mother said it was kind of creepy, but I really liked it. And I, would, I slept with her through seventh and eighth grade in, in bed with me all the time. I remember a story about Uncle Randy. We, um, like Dad's family, we got milk from the farmer up the road um, from the Robinsons, my parents' friends. Anyway, Randy would go up, walk up, and get the milk in a bucket. It was in a glass bottle and had a bucket, and he would come home with it. And it happened to be when the snow was kind of melding so it was a little crusty so he could walk along the side not right in the road but on the edge of the road so he got the milk and came home and was walking on this crusty stuff and it it sank and he sank solid into that tried to get out and couldn't and my mom had sent him you know a while ago and she was getting a little concerned so she said Patty, go up the road and see if you can find Randy and see what's going on. So I went up there and he was absolutely stuck in the snow and I couldn't get him out. I pulled, I tried, and I couldn't get him out. This kid was just stuck like a pig in a poke. Um, so finally I went home and got my dad and my dad brought a shovel, shovel and went up there and dumped Uncle Randy out. So anyway, that was kind of a funny story. Uncle Randy has a little more to it than I remember. You'll have to ask him sometime. But anyway, I just remembered it was kind of, it was sort of funny, but I was really concerned as a sister, you know, here he's stuck and I couldn't get him out. So anyway. And what happened with the milk? Uh, I think it spilled. I think it got spilled and we had to go get more or something. I guess we'll talk about two things if I can remember. You remind me about talking about my sisters. <clears throat> but let's keep talking about tires for a minute. Just a minute. My uncle Lyman, so that's my father's second sister at Villa. My resident uncle Lyman lived in Smithfield and he owned a tire store. 
And so I've never forgotten the day that now we had, okay, this is, this is about tires, but this isn't about my early life either. This is now mid or early sixties. My dad now owned the 64 Mercury. That's a whole different subject and story. But back <laughs> to the tires, he came home with a new set of tires on that car from Uncle Lyman. And I don't know why in the world I cared less about tires, but they were so cool. It wasn't even funny. I remember my dad driving up the driveway. I can still see that little bump in their driveway. And those tires just, oh my word, they just thrilled me. They, they did to me what the dolls did to my wife that I didn't even know who existed at that moment. <laughs> but they were still what we called back in those days bias ply tires. They did now have polyester cords in them. So they weren't going flat hardly ever. I... Didn't ever see very many flat tires. Um, I sure saw plenty when we went to the farm, but didn't see very many in that interim period. But in today's world, nobody even knows about those tires because another tire engineer sometime not very long after that came up with another method of taking that polyester and whatever other cord, and they also started adding steel belts inside of the polyester to even give more strength to everything. And they called them steel belted. That's what they called them. That was a big deal. Oh, my word. But anyway, some tire engineer changed them changed the way they attached the cords, the, the polyester and the steel, from biased ply to what we now term, and nobody even knows anything else, as radials. You go downtown now, you don't specify, well, I want a biased ply tire, or I want a radial. I don't even know if they make biased ply tires anymore. Nobody in their right mind would buy one. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about tires right now. That's enough. <laughs> Back to early when we were in our new house on 132, somehow the upstairs was not available. I don't know if it's because we had borders. I don't know when we got borders. I think it was because of borders. But anyway, and the back room, which a little later on, not too much, became a bedroom for Uncle Lloyd and I. But previous to that, we were a fairly cramped family because we had two bedrooms and seven kids. And we were all there. Aunt Janice was just about not there, but we she was still there. So the three girls, I take that back, we only had six kids. Uncle Owen wasn't there yet. So... Us three boys just got stuck in corners or wherever we could get stuck anywhere. And there was several different varieties of stuckness. 
the one I remember, and I can't remember where my brothers were. I don't know what was going on with them. They, they're going to have their own stories that will probably refute what I'm saying. But anyway, I do remember at one period of time sleeping with my sisters. And specifically Aunt Vivian. <clears throat> I can't remember the others. But we would, I would sleep with Aunt Vivian when I was this little teeny boy, and she thought I was a doll. And this is just my feeling about it. You'd have to talk to her to get the real story. But it was a mighty miserable experience for me because I would get in the bed and she would just hug me, you know, into her. I mean, you'd lay in there on your side, curled up like we sleep. And I'm hugged into her belly like a doll. And I really disliked it, even as a little kid. But I didn't dislike that as much as I did when we were awake, because we were also dolls when we were awake. And I think I even remember this in Freedom, before we moved, that they would dress us up like dolls. We were, we were their toys. And it was really annoying. Anyway, so that was part of it. And then we had a fold-up bed. That's what we called it. That was in my parents' bedroom. And so, and it was kind of a, a double bed. I mean, it, I, I don't know if it was a double bed or not. I, I think it was. Well, we would fold down at night and have it right beside my parents' bedroom. It wasn't a big bedroom. The girls' bedroom was pretty big, but the parents' bedroom was not that big, but it would handle those two beds. And so we slept there. That was okay for us. I can't imagine it was too great for the parents. Anyway, and not too long after that, I'm going to guess because it wasn't too great for the parents, my dad hired a plumber, and I've never forgotten. We were down in the basement of that house. And they put in a pump and some plumbing, piping, and, and came out of the furnace. It was a boiler furnace. That old furnace started out cold, but they later converted it to gas and plumbed it out to the back room and cleaned it all out and turned that into Uncle Lloyd and my's bedroom. And we now had heat. They put in one of those heat registers, those old-style heat registers. That's what we had in that house. Amazingly, that's the best kind of heat on the planet. That is the best. Were there freezers out there then? Yeah, they put the freezers out there. We had a, the biggest chest freezer and the biggest upright freezer you could buy at the time. Both of them were in our room. I absolutely loved them. Loved them. Because they'd come along and you hear that fridge running. And you'd have two fridges, two freezers out there softly humming and I grew up with freezers humming me to sleep. So paint us a picture of what you mean by back room. Some of us know that it was kind of like unattached. From yeah, the house. okay. This, this, this was a room. How big would it have been? About 12 or 14 foot square or something like, like that. Like a single garage kind of. Anyway, it was detached from the house about, what, about 10 feet or so behind the house with <clears throat> a connecting roof. 
I mean, it was built. It wasn't an add-on or an afterthought. It was all, when the builders built this place, they built that. And anyway, so that was a room that had a basement. I mean, actually, it was a root cellar underneath it, which scared me to death. I mean, it was just a rock wall. Many root cellars didn't even have rocks in them. They just had holes in the earth. So this was a fancy one, actually. It had rock walls, but it was still dirt. And no lights, no anything, electricity down there. It was fabulous for storing carrots, and onions, potatoes. potatoes, vegetables that needed cool and dark. But anyway, that's where Uncle Lloyd and I grew up together. We lived out there together. We did not like each other very much. We had a kind of a rocky time together until finally the borders went down the road, which I can't remember. I was in high school, wasn't I? At the time that happened and my mother had given up the borders. The borders are their own complete story, I promise you. But she gave that up and started becoming or became a school lunch cook at the high school, which was about 10 million times easier for her. Probably paid her better, too. I'm, I'm going to guess she actually got a paycheck that she actually could use. My guess is that having borders was like having the farm. By the time you got through paying for all the food for the boys and the laundry and everything else that went on, probably nothing much left anyway i don't know i mean she charged 50 bucks a month that was the, the boarding room for the boarders thank you so much both of you for sharing these stories from your childhood and in life today. They were funny. They were poignant. They were heartfelt. I really appreciate you letting us all into this part of your life. And I'm excited to hear more next time. See ya. They met in a music class, they both played violin. One day he got up the nerve to try to reel her in. He asked her, would you like to see my fancy set of wheels? She said yes, and that was that. Soon they became something real. Then one night on a hill overlooking town, he took her hand and said to her as he knelt upon the ground let's make some music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a melody i feel when i'm with you 
so let's join together forever and she smiled and said yes let's do let's make some music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a harmony i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever no matter what we do then they began to speculate what the future might hold they said maybe we'll have a lot of kids and raise them somewhere cold maybe they'll learn piano and we'll live on a farm and we'll try to teach them right from wrong and keep them safe from harm and maybe we'll have our share of trials but maybe it'll all work out maybe we'll live in a few good small towns as we learn what life's about and maybe we'll make music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a melody i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever no matter what we do yes let's make music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a harmony i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever no matter what we do the music of love the music of hope of faith and joy maybe we don't know everything but maybe we'll just enjoy that we're making music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives and maybe in 50 years we'll be gathered near and far and our kids will honor us and give thanks to us for teaching them that life's not so hard with music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives and now that it's been 50 years we can see it all came true so glad i feel this melody and harmony whenever